Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. That really... challenges uh, me because I remember uh, not so very long ago sitting on the front row being a part of uh, you know, pastoring, leading this team, and it had become it had become a business to me. It had become a job. It just it had become a job. And uh, and although pastoring isn't the easiest job in the world, it it, it can it, it it has this temptation to fall into a level of of uh, professionalism where and functioning where you just you just know what you know what you're supposed to do and yet you don't you don't really function out of your heart or even out of your spirit you do it because it's a thing that you're supposed to do and God challenged me in that and God challenged me about where I was going personally and where I was taking this church and uh, and also being the fact that I'm getting into that point, you know, where the majority of my ministry is, is behind me. And, and um, whatever I have left, I, you know, I was thinking, you know, in my mind, it was, it was, time, to, it was time to step aside or, or, um, or what I was using the word retire. And uh, by the mercy of God, though, God stop me in that trap in that trail and stop me in that thing and 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 challenge me in a whole new level and much of what's going on here now of late is all birthed out of that it's the re to recapture the heart of god the the uh the the very purpose that god has for us and for me not to just to do this because it's my job and I want to I want to share because this falls right in line. I I didn't again. I just saw this and and uh, I want to I want to share with you this message this morning uh, that I've prepared and wrestled with as well, and it's called wonder, wonder or wander, and. Uh, it's based out of a verse in John chapter 10, verse 24, where it says uh, these are the leaders of the Jews, and they're talking to Jesus. And these, so these were like the, these were the professionals of, the, of Jesus' day. These were the professional clergy. These were the ones who were calling all the shots. And these were the ones who were, who were setting the tone and, you know, and, 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 and their heart was not really, their heart wasn't for God. It was for self-preservation or self-exaltation. And they had, they had their own agendas and they had their own, their own motives. And so it, it, I read this and this really challenged me. And, you know, and la- last week I, we talked about the hidden, 
the hidden victor or the victor unveiled and how Jesus was hidden to them. And, and, uh, and this kind of builds on that thought as well because they asked him a question. Now listen to this question. It says, how long will you make us wonder about you? How long will you make us wonder about you? If you are the Messiah, then tell us clearly. And of course, if you read this in the context, Jesus says, I've, I've made it clear who I am. And look at the signs. Look at the fulfillment of prophecy. And, and, uh, and I, if, if it was written in the sky, you still would miss it because your eyes are shut and your ears are closed. But I, but I, I read this, and, and I want to kind of use it in a way that of this word wonder, how long will you make us wonder? See, the whole idea of Jesus and Jesus, the way he comes to us, is to wake up a wonder in us. And I want to ask you, you know, is that, is that wonder awake in you? That wide-eyed wonder, that childlike wonder, And because the wonder, the wonder is to wake us up so that we will go after the Messiah, that we will let our wonder bring us to him and search him out and seek him out. There's many things I don't understand. I'm just going to tell you right now. I don't understand a lot of things. You don't understand a lot of things. But, but I know as long as I keep going to Jesus, I keep I keep this wonder alive in me. It keeps me pursuing him. And as I pursue him, things get, things get clearer to me as I pursue the wonder. Do you see that? Tell us clearly. Well, clearly they, they were missing it because they weren't seeking after Jesus. They weren't going after Jesus. They didn't really want to know if he was the Messiah. They had already prejudged him. They had already determined that he was a liar, that he was false, that he was, that he was not who he said he was. They had already pre... Listen, we all are guilty. Have you ever predetermined something in your head and you just had your mind made up? What, am I the only one here like that? You, you know you have. You've, you've, you've picked up on something. You've made up your mind. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever been proved wrong? And had to go back and say, man, I'm sorry, I misjudged you, I misjudged the situation, I had my mind made up, I knew it was like this, but then, but then it, you find out it was like that, and then you, you, you see, they, they, they had these preconceived judgments, preconceived ideas, preconceived notions, they weren't going after Jesus to find out if he was true, they were going after Jesus to silence him and put a man who was challenging their system and everything about them, the thing that was destroying people, leading people astray, the thing that kept blinders over their eyes, Jesus was going after it, and they didn't appreciate it, and their, their answer to that was, we're going to destroy him. So this is in that 10th chapter of John. You know the 10th chapter of John. This is where Jesus goes on, and he says, but my sheep hear my voice. And so, I want to kind of use this this morning. The word wonder from the dictionary means a rapt attention, 
rapt attention or astonishment at something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. Wonder. Rapt attention or astonishment at something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. Folks, that's how we come to Jesus. We come out of wonder. We come because Jesus gets our attention. Many of you, you woke up because Jesus, he, he wonderfully, mysteriously just showed up in your life when you least deserved it. And he started a work in you, and, and in that wonder, you followed after him. And, and, and here, I love this quote by Vance Havner, a preacher from another generation, a great preacher, uh, evangelist. And, and he says this, he said, because I've been preaching, you know, before the Easter, I was preaching on the series on vision. Now listen to this quote. The vision must be followed by venture. It's a venture, or as I like to call it, an adventure. The vision must be followed by the venture. It is not enough to stare up the steps. We must step up the stairs. You see, many, uh, many church people are staring up the stairs. And the Holy Spirit is calling you, come up hither. But we're down here going, I don't know if, I don't know if that's what... I don't know if that's God. I don't know what that's going to mean. I don't know what that's going to look like. And so we fall into these humdrum lives. Do you ever feel like your life is kind of humdrum? Did you ever feel like your walk with God is kind of boring? How could a walk with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, be boring? But how, how is it we made it like that? Because all we want to do as believers is stare up the stairs. And what we need to do is run up the stairs and see what God has for us. Can you say amen? amen. You see, I, I feel like that was part of what was going on inside of me. And, and it, was, it was God trying to deal with my wonder. And I'm going to get into that. So it, if you have a Bible, you should turn it to Matthew 18 because we're going to spend a little time there this morning. So it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Ready? So this, get this, they, the disciples were in the 18th chapter of Matthew. This is... This is Mackenzie, by the way. Everybody say, hi, Mackenzie. Or I call her Mac. So they said, they said to Jesus, they said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You with me? And it goes on, then it says, so Jesus stood a child right in their midst. Now listen to me, he, he, he had been with his disciples for three years. There was all this, three, three years is long enough to get into a, into a vein where you turn your, your adventure, your wonder, into something other than what God intended. Because now, notice, 
when they asked that question, who is the great, they, they weren't saying, they didn't come and say, Jesus, what's the greatest attribute of a leader in the kingdom? That would have been a really much better question because this question reveals that there was something going on in their hearts that wasn't right. Do you see the power struggle that's going on here? We know it was going, an ongoing thing because it's corroborated throughout the Gospels that in this ongoing struggle that the disciples were, were arguing among themselves even who was the greatest among them. Can you hear that argument? Peter's like, well, you know, I'm the one who walked on water. And all you guys stayed in the boat. And John's like, yeah, but I, I'm the one who puts his head on Jesus' heart, and I know his heart. And, 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 and I mean, there's this, all this debating. James and John are the sons of thunder. You know, and they're like, yeah, but we've called fire down from heaven. And we've seen, you know, and all this bickering and stuff. So when they set, Jesus sets this child in the midst of the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, now get this, let me, let me change this. He says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless you repent. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his church. And he's saying, unless you repent, that is, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, live changed life. This is the Amplified, or as I like to call it, the women's translation. And become like children. It's so wordy. That's all I'm saying. And become like children, trusting, humble, and forgiving. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So get this, Jesus sets a child in the midst and he says, if you want to know how to get to heaven and get into the kingdom things that I have for you, then you have to be like this. You have to become like a child. Because if you don't become like a child, you're going to miss what I'm doing for you. Now we look at children, we, we look at children, we go, oh, the children, you know, they're what... I mean, we just got to wait till they get a certain place. And then, you know, then, you know, I mean, you know, come on. It's children. What, what, is, what is Jesus saying? But you see, I believe, I believe there's one of two things can happen when you, when you have a child in your life, in your world. You're either going to lead and talk and speak into that child or that child is going to speak into you. But if, that, if, if, if we do this the right way and, and that child is, 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 is raised in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, then I think, it's, I think we can learn something from our children. Amen. How old are you, Mac? Nine? Nine years old. Do you think you could be taught by a nine-year-old? Lay it on him.
So when Jesus sets a child in their midst and says, except you be like a child, teachable, humble, leadable. And, and he, he uses in the parenthesis there, he says, he says, trusting. Children are trusting. How come it is we spend all of our young lives and we can't wait till we get old? And then we get old and we can't wait or keep wishing we were young again. Give McKenzie a hand. I want you to go set that down over there, please. So, so Jesus puts this child in the midst, challenges them, and I think what he's trying to say to us is, except you take this heart of a child, this childlike faith, this childlike trust, this childlike openness, you're going to miss the kingdom of God. There's no way you can do this. So obviously what happens is, what, what, what goes on, let me go on here. Everything, I've already said the first two, everything in life is stacked against being childlike in your faith and trust. Everything is stacked against us. Did you ever notice that, that the enemy loves to steal our children? And he loves to steal your childhood. And, and in, in, the, in the outwork of that, the reason he likes to do that is what he does, he knows that he knows if he steals our childlike trust, our childlike faith, our childlike wonder, then what sets in is a hardness. We just get hardened toward life. We get hardened toward the things of God even. I mean, we love God, we do. We say, I love the Lord, I believe that, I know that. I know what that means to say, I lo- I've been loving the Lord for a long time. But I also know what it is to lose the wonder. Where your heart gets hard. When Tommy did the video, I mean, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, yeah, thank you, uh, Tommy. That, but you know what, pastors need to repent too. Pastors don't mean to hurt people. Evangelists don't, I don't think they set out to hurt people. But what happens is it's really easy for your heart to get hardened. It's really easy, especially in this, in, in, you know, I, I, here's the thing about when you're in the, when you're in the ministry, it's a, it's, it's a requirement that you have the heart of a child but the skin of a rhinoceros. And it's really hard to keep that balance because you see some of the worst of things and you see some of the worst of, 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 of attacks and you see some of the worst of things that, that it's hard not to take those things personal. And so you even, you know, you, even, you do it, we do it, we all do it. What happens is our heart gets hardened and we say, well, I'll not let people hurt me. But you know, you know the saying around here, Right? Hurt people, hurt people. And once people are hurt, if you, don't, if you don't have a way to deal with that hurt, if you don't go back to the Lord and keep that 
keep that heart of yours in childlike wonderment, childlike faith, childlike trust. Because it's easy to twist this and to think like, God is turned against me, or God let this happen. Why, God, did you do this? And your heart becomes hard, and your heart becomes calloused. And when your heart gets hardened and calluses, you start acting out of that hardness. And when you act out of that hardness, you can't help but hurt people. Boy, I love this Presbyterian church up in here today. You see, the church is filled with a lot of hurt people. And that's why, too, we keep staring up the stairs because we say, well, I tried to go up those stairs once and I got hurt. Duh. And, and, and so Jesus said that's what's going to happen. He assured us that that was going to be the, the, the experience. But yet what we have to do is maintain our childlike faith and trust. Can you say Amen. You see, because if you lose your wonder, you will begin to wander. Because of the hardness of your heart, you'll lose your purpose, you'll lose your destiny, you'll lose your sense of calling even. Are you with me? And so you have, you have people then functioning then out of their hurts and out of their, out of their offenses and, and everything in life. You know, if you're hurt, everything hurts. Come on. I, I'm in no hurry this morning. I, I really, I, I, this message right here, I really had to like, Lord, are you sure this is where you want me to go with this? Because because there's people sitting right here this morning that you've lost your wonder. And all you see are the faults in people. All you see are the the failures in people. Every lens you look through it, you look through it through a hurt or through an offense. It's hard for you to see any good. It's hard for you to appreciate when anybody can actually do something for you. And in fact, you resist even people doing anything for you because you're hurt. And so, in Matthew 18, let's let's just go there. I'm going to go here in my my iPad because I want to stay in this because this is the context then of of, of what Jesus was teaching, and uh, I, wanna, I certainly want to give it to you in context, and then I have something for you that I, I want to give to you if you'll permit me this morning. So I'm going to Matthew 18, and we're in there. So he, he sets this child and tells him, whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And whoever receives and welcomes one child like this in my name receives me. So how you treat God's children, how you, re- how you treat the least of God's children is how you would treat him. Hello? That's the context. That's, that's what Jesus is teaching here. And then he says, be careful. Don't offend. Don't be offensive. Now we're, but, but yet he makes allowance that offenses are going to come, right? Because if you look in verse 7, 
he, he, now he begins teaching about stumbling and about temptations and, and how that we, we can cause people to stumble. And we stumble. Can I, can, I just get, can I get an honest answer here? How many of you have ever stumbled? All right, put your hand down. How many of you have ever caused somebody to stumble? You can't help but cause people to stumble. The moment you open your mouth, you're in danger. That should tell you something right there. Watch, watch, watch. But he, but he talks about stumbling. And, 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 and in the Matthew 18, 7 through 10, he, he, he covers this whole thing. You should, you should be reading these things because we're living in an age where offenses are overwhelming People and people are being brought out of, uh, of their walk with God, disqualifying themselves because they don't know how to handle offenses. Because once they're offended, they lose their wonder and then they wonder. That's good preaching, Pastor Mike. Yeah. Then, verse 12, you with me? You didn't know you was going to get a whole Bible study out of, of a chapter today, but that's what you're going to get. He says, what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, will he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of that one that is lost? Tell me, can I just tell you something here? This is, this is where uh, taken also in the context taught in Luke 15 where Jesus gives, uh, Matthew records it as the, the parable of the man, the man shepherd leaving the hundred and going after the one. See, this is just the grace of God that if you've gotten hurt, listen to me, if you've gotten hurt and you've wandered off, God is love, he loves you and he is chasing you. And he says here, he says, he will go in search of that one that is lost. Let me ask you a question. Was this a goat? Well, he, if they, they left and, and they walked away, just let them, you know, forget it. No, they're sheep. And Jesus says the good shepherd leaves the 90 and 9 to go after the one who's lost. That's just the kind of heart he has. You with me? And so look at verse 14. Here's what Jesus says. This is Jesus talking. So it's not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones be lost. It's not God's will that one person go off wandering. But do people go off wandering? Yes. Now look at verse 15. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. Everybody say in private. So if you see, if you see your brother going off and wandering, you see your brother who's lost his wonder, stick with him, go after him. That's what he's saying. Go to him. Go to him alone. Don't, don't make it a spectacle and don't, you're not trying to expose him. You're trying to save him. Why is it that we keep thinking that it's our duty to expose people? Let me tell you something. I seriously question people's salvation who spend their life exposing people for their sins. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Amen. 
Some people have built entire ministries. Some people's entire Facebook page is committed to exposing people. You know it's true. And then we get all pharisaical about it. Yeah, but that's my, that's my duty and my obligation. No, your duty and your obligation is if you see your brother sin, then go after him. And go after him in private. And if you're not doing it that way, you're not doing it God's way. And you shouldn't brag about being a sinner. Well, this, this is really, so, so, let me read a little bit more. I want to finish making everybody mad. He says, if your brother sins, go and show him. If he pays attention to you, you have won back your brother. But if he doesn't listen, then take along one or two others so that every word may be established. Then after the, the second admonition, he says, then tell it to the church and let the church deal with it on a church-wide level because we're, what's the purpose of it? What's the purpose of this? Restoration. Restore them. Restore them. See, people who have a childlike wonder and trust have a heart for restoration. But if you let your heart get cold and hard, somehow we feel good about exposing and, and, and hurting people. But I want to, let's put that aside for a minute because I want to tell, I just want to tell you about my own, my own personal thing because those of you who, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. You know, I used to be one of those. I used to be one of those. I did. I used to be one of those. When I became a professional, I took it as my duty to, to expose and to, and to and to uncover and to you know and 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 I, I had to get I had to get healed and restored of that because that I, I, I was wrong. I was wrong being so self-righteous. But you see, the thing that was lacking in my life is it, it wasn't just that I was I was uh, I was self-righteous. It was that I wasn't walking out the purpose and the will of God for my own purpose and calling. I was staring up the stairs because, you see, if you're walking up the stairs and you're going after Jesus, you don't have any time to chase and, and to expose others. What you're, you're so consumed with going after Jesus, you don't have time to worry about everybody else's mistakes and failures and stuff. You, you get what I'm saying? And so in the process of this, when, when God began to convict me and, and bring me to a place of grace, because I was not a grace man, I was not a grace preacher, I was not a grace believer, I was law, I was law and I was works. And I preached it hard and I preached it into the point of, 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 it, of it being hurting, it was hurting people. 
And then God arrested me and stopped me and, and, and revealed to me the power of grace that, that, that when Jesus comes to us, he comes with a transforming grace and that when we, when we get our eyes really fixed on Jesus, what happens is he changes us and your pursuit begins to go after him. You see, because before then I was going after, I was going after people. Today I'm going after him. And you know what the cool thing about it is? Because I'm going after him, now I'm actually seeing how I can influence people without condemning and without judging and without being a, 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 a unveiler, but how I can cover. Remember, remember, when, remember when Noah got off the ark and he sinned? He planted a vineyard and got drunk. Remember that? And his own sons actually came and exposed him. And, but one of the sons grabbed, the, grabbed his blanket, came in backwards because he didn't want to dishonor. He didn't want to dishonor his father. And he walked him backwards carrying the blanket and he covered his father. He covered his nakedness. That story wrecked me because what I saw in that was how God was, what God's heart was for us in dealing with people is not to expose people, it's to cover them. And, and even if they're struggling, keep praying, keep covering them in prayer until God can break through with them. And also that, it's, that it's, it's, a, it's a very loving and wonderful thing when you love somebody enough to talk to them. Hello? To go to them and say, hey, what's going on? We'll talk about them, but have we ever really went and talked to them? And so what I want to do today is I'm going to give you a card. This is a card I'm going to give to you, and then I want to challenge you to give this card to one person in your life that you trust now, I got two different cards here because I did one politically correct. It's called the timeout card. Every one of you should have someone in your life who can sit you down and say, hey, timeout. Let's talk. I, so this says, timeout, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Hello? So this is for all you... People who do, do timeouts. Now, when I was a kid, I got beat. My dad's here today. He'll testify of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, back in my day, whoo, Lord have mercy. Come here, Aaron, help me. So this card, this card doesn't say timeout. This card says sit down and shut up. Faithful are the wounds of every one of you should give somebody in your life permission that when you have lost your wonder and you begin to wander, and believe me, it's clearly evident in our lives when this begins to happen. 
It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that something's wrong and there's something eating at this person or there's something that's causing them to stumble and, and, and fail or, or give up and, 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 and the, the ability to, to have that person in your life who will come to you and say, sit down here, let's talk. I see some things and, and how can I pray for you? How can I help you? How can I... How can I go after you because I don't want you to wander away? So this one says, sit down and shut up. This one says, time out. I don't care which one you take. I want everybody to take one. And then I'm going to tell you what you do with it. Might share that. Get some help, Aaron, maybe passing them out. I want to tell you why this is important. So in Luke 15, where, where, Jesus, where Jesus is, uh, is teaching, and I'm, I'm, I'm about done here, so sit tight. Just sit tight for one, one minute. So we were praying we were praying this week over in the annex in the morning, and uh, and it was on uh, Tuesday, actually. And Adele came in and was uh, she read this verse? She read these verses in the Tuesday morning prayer meeting, and and man, God just woke something up inside of me through this and. Uh, See, it's in Luke, if you have a Bible, go to Luke 15, verse 8. And I'm going to share this with you, and then I'm going to close. I'm going to tell you what to do with that card. Luke 15, verse 8. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins, each one equal to a day's wages... And loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and carefully search until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her women friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I found the lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's very interesting language here, very interesting uh, story here because, again, remember, let's go back to where we began. Jesus set a child right in their midst, and he said, unless you repent and become like little children, you will not see the kingdom of God. Jesus tells this parable of the ten coins. This is stuck in Luke 15 where there's the parable of the, there's the, parable of the lost sheep. There's the parable of the lost coins. There's the parable of the lost son and the prodigal son. So you have these three parables all in Luke 15. And right here in this one is the parable of the lost coins. Now something that profoundly impacted me this week was because, you see, I always think of, I always think, I have always thought of like the things that are lost. is like they're outside of the walls of this church. All the lost 
souls that all the lost people are outside this church. But if you read this parable and you get understanding of it, I was praying over this parable Tuesday morning, just praying into it, leaning into it. And the Lord opened my eyes about this parable. Now listen to me. Pay attention. This is, this is everything I preached was so I could say and bring you to this point right here. When Jesus gave the parable of the, of the things, he said, this woman had 10 coins. So, you know, 10, that's pretty good. 10, 10 days wages. But she loses one coin. Which if you still have nine left, you're, you're not doing too bad. But, but that's not good enough for her. She, it's not good enough that she, she doesn't, she, she's lost that one. And, and so it says that she went on a search mission. Now listen to this. In, in the house. The coin wasn't lost out in the streets. The coin wasn't lost out, out in the highways and byways. The coin was lost in the house. It was sitting right in church. But it had been lost to its purpose, lost to its wonderment, lost to its, to its childlike faith, lost to everything that God had intended. And so what it says, the woman, it says she did two things. She only did two things. It says she lighted a lamp. What does that signify? The Holy Spirit searching. The Holy Spirit lighting up our hearts. The Holy Spirit examining our hearts. The Holy Spirit in, at work in, a, in, in, our, in our corporate gatherings. Many of you, listen to me. It's not enough that you're in this building. It's not enough that you're standing in the presence of God with all of the saints. It's where is your heart? Where is your heart? And so it says she lit a lamp and she went on a search. And then it says she began to sweep. She moved the furniture. She moved things. There was all kinds. Of, you ever, you remember, you know, don't you ever clean real good and you move things and you go, ooh, and all those dust bunnies and all those things. That you, and then you find things that have been hid. You find things that have been lost. You find things that had slid under a couch, things that had slid away, things that you forgot about, and you go, oh, wow, th there it is, and you're, you're happy because I've been looking for that. Not all that hard, but I've been looking for that. See, I think that's what the Holy Spirit's doing right now in the church, especially in America. Because there's a large percentage of people in the church in America that are lost in the house. They've lost the wonder. They've lost the childlike faith. They've become hardened. They've become brittle. They've become hurt. They become self-protective. They become self-identified in that, that I'm not doing that. No, don't, don't, don't lay that on me, Pastor Mike. Come on. You know what? I can't handle that. I tried that. 
Come on, Pastor Mike, are you setting me up? No, I'm not setting you up. I'm telling you that what Jesus is trying to do is bring you out because he wants you to be enraptured in that rapt attention where he can do something in you that he's not been able to do because he can't do it as long as you're lost underneath the seat somewhere. you got to come up and come out of where you've been. you got to come out of your hurt, come out of your unforgiveness, come out of everything that you're holding on to and let it go so you can look, not just look up the stairs, so you can run up the stairs and say, here I am, Jesus. People go to church, go home, go to church, go home, go to church, week after week after week. And all the while, Jesus is saying, are you ever going to come up these stairs? Are you ever going to come back to me? Listen, if you got hurt by a church, I'm sorry. If you got hurt by a pastor, I'm sorry. If you got hurt by a a husband or a wife, I'm sorry. If you got hurt by friends or you got hurt by by a, a disappointment or even maybe by your children, I'm sorry. But you cannot use that as an excuse. You cannot hide in that hurt and say, well, well, you don't understand. No, you, you don't understand. Jesus is calling you out of your hurt and saying, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. We were in prayer meeting yesterday morning and Mac quoted that in our prayer meeting. And I'm going to tell you, when she quoted that, it was like a bomb went off. Revelation came to people. A little child shared the powerful truth of God's word. And revelation came. Are you heavy laden? Are you burdened? Are you trying to serve God while you're carrying the yoke of unforgiveness? You're mad and you're just one of them people that you're not going to say it, you're just going to stuff it. Jesus is saying, come on, let it go. Come on, let it go. Quit staring up the stairs. Come on up higher. I want you to bow your heads with me. Come on, bow your heads and just... Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's got a lamp. He's going through your heart and your life. He's got a broom and he's sweeping. What is it that's stolen your wonder? Stolen your first love? Remember when it, for you it was just Jesus, it was all about Jesus. And then how people got in the way of that and all of a sudden it became about people. Remember how ugly it is when it's just about people? I want to ask you to repent. Yeah, repent. Jesus said, except you repent and become like a little child. 
Repent for your hardness of heart. Repent for the coldness of your love. Repent for the unforgiveness. Repent for holding on to things. And the fact that you, if you can recall it so quickly lets you know that it's there. It's there. It's right there beneath the surface. Father, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus to bring those lost coins home. Those who've been lost right in the house. Those who have been lost right in the house. Those who have sat down and stopped. They're in a rut. They're in a grave. They're in a, they're in a dead end because they've lost their wonder. Holy Spirit, move right here, right now, I pray. Whew. Father, I ask you to deal with our unforgiveness, our bitternesses, our grudges, our vengeance. Father, there's some here today who are hurt because their childhood was stolen because of the actions of someone even in their family. But today, God, you make all things new. I ask you, Lord God, to move in that heart with forgiveness, with love, with restoration. Lord, to give beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. God, I want us to be restored to childlike faith. I want to love you, Lord, like a, lot, like a little child. I don't want to be a professional, Lord. I just want to be real. And I want to be honest. And I want to be in love with you. And I want to be like a child when it comes to my walk with you. Where I just trust you implicitly. And look expectantly at heavenward. Yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. I see this picture, you know, of children just playing in an open field, a wide open field. Flowers are growing. The grass is moving in the wind. It's 72 degrees. Something's going to happen in two, three months, I promise. These children are just playing and laughing and having fun in the presence of their father. They feel safe, they feel protected, they feel loved, they feel, they feel forgiven. They feel, they just feel like it's all good. And there's that child standing over on the side, their lower lip pouted longing to be a part of that but they feel like they're shut out and shut away from that promise but today the Lord says to you the promise is to you and to your children and to as many as the Lord shall call open your heart let it go forgive release all of those who have hurt you restore let me restore your childlike faith 
and I'll heal your heart, forgive your sins, and set you free. If that's you this morning and you say, Pastor Mike, that's, I, need, I need to repent. I need to repent. I need to repent. I feel like I've been lost in the house too. Would you stand? Just stand right where you're at. Just say, Pastor Mike, I feel like that lost coin. I feel like I lost my purpose. I've lost the wonderment. I've lost the, I've lost the, the thrill, the joy. I've lost, I've lost the, the, the amazing sense of God's oddness in his presence. And all, all I can see now is, is the difficulty and the struggle. If that's you, stand to your feet. Just stand. Yeah, all over this place. Come on. So, Father, you see those who are standing today. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would release your grace. God, there's no judgment here. There's no condemnation here. There's just a measure of grace. You said where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. God, we pray a covering over them. I pray, God, for forgiveness to flow out of their hearts. Let them, Father, just stand in the promise that if we forgive others their trespasses, then ours will be forgiven. Lord, we, we forgive those who have sinned against us. We release them. We just say, Father, cleanse our hearts, God. Cleanse my heart, God, from hardness and coldness and deadness. Forgive me, O oh God, for, be, for becoming too hard and, and just too, too cold in my heart, God. I want, I want to be like a child again when it comes to my faith and my walk with you. I want to be like a child, O oh Lord. Yeah, come on, raise your hands right now. We're just going to worship. Everybody stand. We're going to sing this. We're going to sing this, and we're going to walk out of this place today in the flow, in the flow of God's presence, in the flow of the kingdom. The kingdom, thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done. Search us, oh God. Try us. God, put that lamp up, God, and search us out. Sweep through this place, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Go ahead, Amy. Sing it out. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.